The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. G'day, it's Jimmer here from sunny South Australia, where there's bugger all trout and even less permit. It's that time of the week again, folks. So grab a fresh longie of Victoria's finest and maybe a 170 grammar of Smith's Crinkle Cut Originals. Let's get into the show with your hosts, Chris, Gomez Adams and Jeff, 50 Hertz. 240 Volta. I'm Alan Jones. This episode of The Intermediate Line is brought to you by Manic Tackle Project, the only company who knows fly fishing as well as you do. And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally graded natural materials, plus a full shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. You can you can talk about like that too, can't you? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no problem at all, man. Yeah, are you sure? Yeah, got it, man. All right, no worries, man. Because if no. you need need to stop for any reason, not a problem at all. Ah, oh, let's get cracking. Okay. Crack. Okay. Well, the devil button is pressed there, Volta. It's going. It's recording. Yeah. Yeah. The heckest of years. And welcome yep. back. Folks, to what episode are we on, Volts? You know, 88? Is it 91? Nah, man, we're not in the 90s yet. 88, I think, maybe. I'll tell you what, what a thing to talk about when you've got nothing planned to talk about. What episode we're up to. (laughs) 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 uh, I will, will in fact, tell you what the hell that is. Uh, We are on 88. Okay. This is episode 88. We're just, we're just starting, we're just like a good diesel engine. We're just starting to get good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All those shows leading before this, just a warm up to this one. Yeah. Bloody hell, mate. Yeah. And to get, go through the, sorry? Getting better with age. 
Getting better, age like a fine wine. Mm -hmm. A fine can of VB that's been out in the sun. <laughs> it's put back into the esky, and it's just got that flavour to it that makes you want to not drink beer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to go through the motions, mate, I, I, before I even ask, I could just tell you right now, no, I haven't been fishing because it's bloody school holidays still, and I just refuse to go out through school holidays or weekends. Yeah, well, it makes sense, mate. Um, um, you know, as you know, I've got kids, and yeah, it's it's sort of hard to it's hard to, to do much during school holidays apart from look after those little savages. So, yeah, yeah mate. It's, yeah, it's challenging. It's um, I've only got one child under my uh, care, uh, which is my biological daughter, and uh, uh, I'm not interested in uh, in in that other than, well, I am in looking after her. I can see how this is turning out right now. I'm looking like a bad parent. But my reason is not so much because it takes so much work to look after one child. It's because the fucking coast looks like an ant farm with people at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> just people everywhere, man. I just can't stand it. Yeah. I don't need to fish. I, I do need to fish, man. I'm really starting to get pretty antsy about it. But at the same time, I uh, I would much rather wait until I got the place to myself reasonably. I don't think it's yeah. possible these days, to be honest with you, but to get completely to yourself, but just less people, let's put it that way. It's getting harder and harder, really. I was um, I was driving yesterday on the Gold Coast, and I went over uh, Telebudgera Creek, and it, this was right on sunset. Mate, there was about, like, where the caravan park is adjacent to the to the creek there, like, it's literally waterfront. Yeah. There's, um, mate, there would have been 40 or 50 people just sort of swimming, fishing, just, you know, enjoying that last bit of, like, they were literally in the water too, you know, like it, you can't imagine the, the pressure of, um, you know, that a fish is seeing in a pretty populated place these days. You know, yeah. School holidays. Bloody the, hell. Yeah, exactly. I didn't fish the week before school holidays because we had such terrible weather. It was like a yeah. tropical low coming down. And when that first week happened of, um, of Easter weekend when it was, we were looking like getting a, uh, a tropical low or a, a weak cyclone crossing the coast in southeast Queensland. I can't help. I can't. I, I don't mind telling you I had a pretty decent smile on my face because I didn't. I wasn't going to go fishing because of the crowds and if the weather was good, it meant other people were fishing. And I just thought to myself, those poor fish, man. Like, you know, not so much the saltwater fish, but the, the impoundment's just getting fucking impounded. <laughs> <laughs> by gumbies that just happen to be in the right place at the right time and um you know pricking these fish but uh it was good to see the rough weather but sure as eggs the next weekend absolutely glam weather and um there would have been some slaves there's been some good fish getting caught that's for sure and if we had Volti's wide world of fishing still going on we'd have a pretty action-packed show but luckily for you people that rest the rod on your shoulders and let us know how you caught the fish you're safe we're giving that a break Giving it but a I'll break. Tell you what, when, when we come back, we're going to come back hard. Yeah, we're going to hang shit on all you motherfuckers. It's like when you spray weeds and then knock them down, and you keep on mm. top of them, but then you run out of weed spray, and the weeds slowly come back. They come like, back. Yeah. I I think personally, and I'm very proud of the impact we've had on the fly fishing community for the rod over the shoulder shots. That <laughs> you know they did seem to wane at certain to a certain point, and. You know, it was a self-policing society where other people were calling others out for wearing the rod over their shoulder, uh, you know. And I wonder if, um, you know, we made a difference, Fultz. And that's all I wanted to do with this podcast, just to make a difference. 
get people connected. Get people connected, yeah, yeah. And disconnecting <laughs> that right off the shoulder, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Such a noble cause. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, like, you know, like when I'm on my deathbed and, um, you know, someone asks me, do you feel like you made a difference in this life? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn to them. I'm going to go, yes. And uh, knowing full well that someone has has given it a second thought to putting that rod on their shoulder from listening to this podcast. Uh, let me tell you, dude, if you go before me and you have an open casket funeral, I'm going to yep. sneak, sneak in and put a rod over your dead, cold shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, mate? I don't. You know, I think it'll be all right as long as it's not a picture on Instagram. <laughs> we don't want to have like a weekend at Bernie's account sort of thing, you know, this dude. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend at Chris's, just uh, hanging out right over the shoulder. Oh man, that's how we know you're dead. Yeah. So it's <laughs> well, that well, there's that, and you'll be at the funeral, which will be a dead giveaway too. Excuse the pun. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes. So yeah, mate. But uh, as we've mentioned, great time of year for the fishing, mm. and it's great. And um, you know, we'll, we'll get into who we're talking about with the with the guests shortly, but. Uh, who we got on tonight, but um, you know, we we'll get to that towards the end of the intro. But we've got a great great guest for inspiration for you tonight, which is going to be good. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, we'll 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 see how that goes. But uh, in the meantime, it's been nothing but internet fishing for me, mate. Have you? Has it, mate? Yeah, I've seen um, seen a couple of little things that are of interest there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a on a limb here, mate. Um, and I know I already know how you feel, so I'm not I'm not baiting you. But um, I saw somebody win a fly tying comp, an international fly tying comp, with um, you know their sort of version of your fly. In fact, it wasn't. Did you version. see that? Did you? Yeah, yeah, man. And anyway, um, I saw that a, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm pretty sure you did because you replied um, at some level. But yeah. The, there was no acknowledgement of of the pattern there at all, man. Like, um, how did that make you feel? Oh, it was um, I. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I am making noises into the microphone whilst I think of the most correct way I'd like to answer that. And uh, well, uh, it didn't. It didn't exactly. Uh, it frustrates me, I guess, when 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 people. Of any sort of level, of any sort of industry, create something and don't get recognised, or someone else takes the credit from them. Right, um, yeah. So along those lines, I was a bit frustrated. But um, I don't tie flies commercially anymore, so I don't. You know, like it's I've mentioned on the show before that as some of the reasons why you should consider crediting others. Um, um, to me, I don't. I don't need the ego fluff to 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 do that. I guess I think it's wrong. But I don't, I don't need it. So, yeah, yeah funny you should say that, man. Like I, I did, I put, I put a post up, um, just, just pointing that out. And I, I kind of, I don't know if that dude's going to listen to this podcast because he did contact me, that guy actually, and, and apologise for, for doing that. But um, I did put a post up, just, from, just, just thanking the guys that did take that pattern and run with it. I suppose it's um, those patterns when you, when you come up with a fly pattern or anyone has come up with one, you don't, you don't do it for any other reason than then you see a, a gap for it in your own fishing, I suppose. And then when you put it on the internet and share it, um, you know, at the time I had commercial interest in, in keeping it to myself somewhat, although it was pretty hard to. There's some pretty talented ties out there that will just figure out how you've done it. 
And there's guys like um, like Brandon Bales from Panther Branch Bugs. Like, that dude's a cool dude. He's done like that, that cicada pattern heaps. In fact, I'll tell you a pretty cool story about Brandon with that cicada. He got offered, uh, Field and Stream Magazine contacted him, and they thought that it was his pattern. And he sends me a message, and he says, um, the editor of this magazine would like to interview me in regards to this deer hair cicada uh, pattern, right? And he and he sent me the screenshot where he said, like, you know, it's not my pattern, it's, it's Chris Adams' pattern. And the, to the editor just turned around and said, oh, I don't know who that is. I'm not really interested in that angle of the story. I'd like to interview about that. And he said, well, the, I'd do the interview, and, and the conditions are that you give Chris a mention and uh, kind of put him over a barrel like that was the, that was the conditions. And I thought that was um, – he didn't need to do that at all. But I just thought, what a staunch character, you know, what a – what a what a great display of character, I, I should say. You know, as far as um, classy, yeah, keeping yeah. it free. Yeah, he, he didn't he didn't need to that at all. Like he, you know, he didn't need to ask my permission or anything like that. But he did, and that's 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 the level of a of a, a, a you know aside from their skills on the vice, like yeah. a high end fly tire. You know, like guys guys who participate in the community and respect that and res, and respect others and all that sort of stuff. So I don't I don't think it's just fly tires. I think it's just being a good human in general, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, you know, like there's nothing more alpha than giving credit where it's due. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But anyway, so so the people who are scratching their balls, going, "What the fuck are they whinging about? Where can they find?" Well, not this? whinging. Well, yeah, it's... yeah. Well, some people might see it as whinging, but but they've got to realise that you know this is your uh, this is your livelihood, um, and you know your hands and mouth on this shit. So. You know, people who are who are pinching IP or, or not even giving credit. You know, it, it ain't exactly fair. And when it comes to uh, you know getting the bills paid, so keeping <laughs> the lights on. It's not the first time it's happened, man. It's um. So you know, I I got a, I got a few patterns that you could arguably say uh, 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 I've introduced to the fly tying community or fly fishing community. One would be that slow water game changer as well. You know that yeah. that that concept. Now I didn't um, invent the game changer, obviously. Um, uh, like, but like within a week of coming up with that, um, another commercial tire, fly tire in the United States tried to palm it off with his, but it was, uh, it was interesting cause I didn't comment on it. I didn't, I didn't like the dude's post and stuff, but I got tagged on it. He's like the, the backlash from the, like internationally from people going, that's Chris's pattern and him just trying to defend it. And I'm just looking at all these comments that got tagged on like, oh, that people, people were congratulating me on his post that someone yeah. else's. <laughs> give it a go like i was i, I might have been j dog josh radloff actually said oh good congratulations chris it's great to see your pattern getting used by people all around the world and this guy no 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 i i i kind of did it then a week later the you know the biggest name in fishing i don't mind man i hope you don't mind me naming this because it might be controversial but blaine himself tried tried to pass it off as his idea as well you know and um that didn't last very long quickly got this quickly got knocked down there as well but um it's it it just amazes me like uh I don't know, man. I wouldn't feel comfortable in in taking someone's work and and running with it, you know. Like it's um, you know, it's 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 interesting, you know. It's uh, um, and so, that. So this latest, where is this fly fly tying competition? Where where can we? Oh, that? that was um a, a page called Douglas Outdoors, and it's a pretty big page, and they run a competition. I think that might have been a cicada fly competition or something like that. Right. And um and some dude and so the first and second place were one with uh, versions of my deer hair cicada. Um, and this, this, the runner-up was a guy called Jeff Rowley. Um, you know, those guys, Jeff and, and Brandon Bales, both handled it really well, tagged, tagged me on it. They never had to. It didn't have to or anything like that. But, I mean, 
it's good that they did. And, like, they got more notoriety than I ever did, you know? Like, I mean, he had, Jeff had Whiting Farms and, and Golf Resin and St. Perry Fly and all those guys share his cicada and, and all of them tagged me in it as well, which was which was great. But they've got a lot more notoriety for it than I've ever got for my own pattern, which is um which is a bit of a buzz to see, really. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the winner of it, I don't know what he won. It was a pretty big competition. There must have been a few stakes and there's a lot of fly tires involved in it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, he he won it, and um, but then like I said, he contacted me and apologised, and I just said the same thing. Like I'm I'm not really that bent up about it, man. But you know, yeah. it's a good thing, to, good a good idea to credit the originator of the pattern. He goes, like, he just apologised and he said he should have, and uh, I, he probably felt worse than he probably needed to. But um, yeah, I I just like to uh, I guess that post that I made was more about just acknowledging those that that um, do the right thing and I guess I was just trying to make them feel good about their decision to do that more than knocking the guy who didn't you know yeah yeah yeah. that's probably a more accurate way to put it yeah because um, yeah. I don't I don't like I said I don't, I don't tie flies anymore you're right it, fly tying is my my bread and butter but if I was tying flies and I was making money off tying those deer cicadas I probably would have been more bent out of shape about it but now it's just mm. nothing more than like you know yeah I've seen it happen to Rob Mead the other day too. Someone tied his gutless frog. I did um, see that too. Yeah, yeah Michael, Michael Young, uh, Youngy came on there and and called the guy out. And this guy tried to make all these excuses and diagrams about you know that he's come up with it himself and so like that. Then Rob Mead, you know, joined in and um and came up with an analogy like you know like there's a lot of different versions of a woolly bugger, but you don't hear people calling him you know something else that other than a woolly bugger. There's still a woolly bugger, you know. It, yeah. um And you know what, mate. I, it'd be a, a miss of me to not admit that I've done that in the past as well. I can't sit up on like a, a on a throne of integrity and and in, for my whole life and say that I've never done that. Like it's uh, you know, there's been a there like for people who've been fly fishing long enough uh, and have been around the forum, you probably remember the Angry Adams fly, which <laughs> was a tongue in cheek. T- it's just a tongue in cheek thing. Like it was a, it was a stupid thing, and I, I regretted doing it. But that was me renaming a fly that rod harrison gave to me that lefty cray developed that, that bend back deceiver you know and and as much as i might have modified it and and changed it to suit myself it's still a bend back deceiver you know and and i didn't invent nothing but i just renamed a version and that was incorrect and you learn from your mistakes and i i i i can sincerely regret that you know but yeah, um, it's a tough lesson but there's a lesson yeah. that you learn yeah and... but i did it you know so yeah, I, I remember that it was pretty, pretty funny. It was a the problem with forums is sometimes you feel like it's an inside, you know, like you're you're just amongst mates, but it it's not a closed room. It's really an open room. Yeah, you know? yeah, that, but, yeah. But that's on exactly the other, right. just to, just to jump in, you right. You know, like the people getting back to the original, um, the original sort of borrowing of IP on uh, on slow water and on the cicadas. I think. You know, I don't think it's distasteful. I don't think it's wrong to stand your digs and let people know because, you know, on one hand, if you let someone tell a lie often enough, then then it becomes a truth. Yeah. And, um, and you know, you, you'd hate to see history rewritten, you know, from under your nose. And I don't, you know, no one, you know, people who just dismiss it as, as you know, validation or, or egotistical are sort of missing the point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I guess I, I, I like to like. I mean, as 
You know, geez, I've, I, man, I've had a couple of run-ins with, with Blaine over the years for various reasons, and um, I could have easily just gone, you know, shove it up your ass, like the whole idea of crediting, but you could go back through every single page that I've done with, like, tying fucking hundreds of game changers. I've always credited him for the tie. Same with Pat Cowan's birds. You know, I've never done one without at least tagging him or even the bare minimum hashtagging Pat Cowan's bird, bird flyer like that, you know, um... Yeah, you know, it's. A, I get asked a million times to to do to do tying videos for for um, Dahlberg divers, you know, or stuff like that, you know. And I, I won't out of respect for Pat because it's his it's his technique, and he's got his own DVD out. And um, you know, like I'd be taking away his form of income. The that's the funny thing with with fly tying, eh? Like it's uh, and fly fishing. It's just that um, that that self entitlement to access of information, particularly from professionals. I find that fascinating you know like it's um coming from construction you know as well like in the days when you're watching all these these guys on on television do their own home improvements and stuff like that that people think that this this access to knowledge of 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 a trade is just a matter of just asking the question and kind of get the shits when you don't give them the information you know i guess people have got to be respectful that it's at at that person's you know um discretion yeah. yeah, discretion to, to, to offer that information up. And in saying that, like, well, you know, we, I don't, I spend, man, I, I was just telling off air before, like, most of my days start off with two hours or so, two or two and a half hours on social media every morning, just answering questions for the majority of it, explaining how to do stuff, like flies and stuff. I don't shy away from it um, at all. I do give that information. I just find, I just find it interesting as an observation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if there, I mean, I'm sure there's other industries that do that as well. Maybe it's just the internet, like the the, the ability to communicate with one another uh, and the and the access to information. I don't know. It's just just different. It must be a spin out for some people to to know that people actually learned to tie flies before YouTube and social media was around. You know. Yeah. It's <laughs> you know it's that'll a, be that'll be a hard reality for some, eh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's cool. I, we've talked about this as well, like in, in the show we did with Sam about the internet and how beneficial it is to fishing and you know it's a path of least resistance like why, why ignore it when the information is there to be to be accessed for free you know to to because that's exactly what you'd be doing in this day and age is consciously ignoring social media it's, it's fucking everywhere how could you ignore it it's, it's everywhere you know look it, it's hard to avoid it. it really is really hard to to say i'm not going to participate in in social media because you get so much of your information so much of your inspiration and and um you know it's it's a great source of of everything you know drama mm. fucking, you know info online fishing online fishing fishing for dickheads yeah <laughs> so yeah it is man it's a good it's it's pluses and minuses and we'd be digging up an old show there by talking about um applying filters to your own social media experience you know but uh you got to otherwise you'll go mad you can let it consume you i was not talking to the other day it's it's it reminds me of those um old movies of when they're when they're like i'm sure it's fiction like it's um but they're programming people's minds by sitting them in strapping them in a chair in front of a wall of televisions playing horror movies with their eyelids forcefully opened you know oh, i That's, heard about it was it was this place called um uh, they were playing some really bad music too to these people stop and sleep and it's called guantanamo bay yeah oh really 
that, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. I, was, I didn't know that was real. I just because that that's what social media reminds me of. Just way too much information than than humans yeah. have evolved to be able to, to handle. You know, and we're all expected to carry on like normal when we're watching people's highlight reels day after day, and without it, what would you yeah. be seeing? You know, you'd have to physically see someone catch a fish or read about it in a magazine, which is just micro level compared to the amount of information you take on every day through social media. So what we say that 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 hap- that was that was happening was it like a form of torture or something, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. What, what sort of music were they playing? Like um, Abba. Jimmy Barnes or something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just playing basically, uh, you know, Triple M or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, they they had some. Um, no repeat was... work day. <laughs> Same songs in a different order every day. <laughs> uh, no, they had. Um... They had someone. I think Rick Rick Astley was one. They they did. They actually distilled it down to a science. Oh really? Is it yeah. was it never going to give you up? Never going to let you down? <laughs> never going to run around or desert you? <laughs> that, that would that would have been a good song to drive me mad. Oh man, um, yeah. I think I think there was an Eminem song. Um, I mean, we you know we probably shouldn't be making making fucking fun of this, but. Um, yeah, here we go. Um, Eminem, the real Slim Shady. Uh, <laughs> Take your best shot by Dope. Um, Maybe that is Dirty by Christina Aguilera. <laughs> <laughs> I know who she is. Uh, um, Babylon by David Gray. I guess there's more biblical meanings there. Sounds yeah. sounds terrible. It all sounds terrible. Isn't that uh, isn't that a, a great compliment to the artists that they would use their music for that? Oh yeah, yeah. I wonder if they got royalties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn Manson, the beautiful people, BG, Saturday Night Fever. Oh, imagine that on the loop, man. That'd oh. be enough to make you move out of Redcliffe, eh? Oh God, we are the champions by Queen. Yeah, oh. would have been bad. Yeah. Oh. Imagine that while they just played the home videos of Robert Mills. You know, you'd be like. I'm just watching Freddie Mercury fishing here. It's <laughs> shout out to Millsy. <laughs> He's probably sitting up there in Darwin with that with that shit mo in his moon face, you know, having a beer. And... <laughs> like, what? What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> you didn't, mate. You didn't do anything. It's genetics, dude. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But just in case you missed it, on a previous show, we we called you a uh, a botched, wax bigger version of Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> reference for an old show there just in case you didn't get all the way through sport oh mate and um yeah and and his and his mad mate uh dr Batesy. christopher bates yeah Batesy. Christopher bates yeah. yeah speaking of uh dreadlocked <laughs> dreadlocked yeah, we got a doppelganger on tonight <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh We'll yeah. have to be sure to ask um, our guest tonight because if he's got the same haircut, if he under- if there's many mud skippers around where he lives or something. It'd be a shame to forget to get- ask him now, wouldn't it? We've got to make sure we do. Yeah. Well, do you want to rattle off who we got on, mate, and why? Yeah, yeah. So we've got um, we've got a guy called Greg Walker. That's his real name, but you can find him on Instagram at uh, fly underscore pirate seventeen. We'll probably cover that in the interview as well. Yeah, yeah, but. Just, just get your, get your Insta ready and have a look. This guy is a uh, is a bit of a mad dog. He lives in uh, the Pilbara. Lives in Fishers in the Pilbara, and um, like any good fly fisherman should in that part of the world, he's 
he's big into his um is into his sight fishing on flats there and he's got there's a couple of twists coming up uh, hopefully mm. so this guy uh he he dabbles in um unconventional boating probably the best yeah. way to say it yeah Every time I've been to a rave or something like that, or um, you know, like a loud nightclub, I've always met someone who always likes to talk about that area. You know, always coming up and going, "What a Pilbara, <laughs> a Pilbara," and I'm, I'm like, "Wow, I've never been there, man." And they they just walk off when I start asking the questions about you know, like the uh, the population of the area or how you get there. Yeah, um, it's a you know. seven hour trip. You yeah, know. yeah. You want a Pilbara? Yeah. I'm like, I've never been there, man. It's, it's um. And funny, man, most people ask me if, if I'm a policeman after that as well. <laughs> you a cop, bro? Uh, no. No. Do you need to be to go to the Pilbara? No. <laughs> <laughs> this and many more dad jokes on the outro. Make sure you, make sure you stay tuned. But how about for now we get uh, we get Greg Greg on? Yeah, Captain Greg. Pirate Greg. Yep. Do it. I yep. reckon every time you hear the word rum in this next next part of the show, drink. Drink. Drink, drink up. Yeah. Alright, man. Let's go to the pill, bro. Want a pill, bro? Yeah, I wanna. Alright. Uh, no <laughs> <laughs> Forget that all the time. Looks That's like we're on. Alright. Welcome back, listeners. And tonight, today, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this show, we have got uh, Mr. Greg Walker on, who is the president of the Panawanica Fly Fishing Club. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Greg. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so what is, what is Panawanica, mate? Can you explain to the listeners what's going on there? Uh, it's a funny little Pilbara town, eh? It's hilarious. That It's privately managed by Rio. And um, it's in probably one of the best spots you can get to in terms of fly fishing. Like, there's so much cool stuff happening around it. But, yeah, it's a it's a private town. Um, you can't live here unless you work on the mines. And um, so far, our club's up to about one and a half people. Cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, one and, and a half. And, half? yeah, was, is that person how – you, how do you determine or define a person to get a half? Oh, like they're not, they're not midgets or anything, just like they'd probably be one of my sons, I suppose. <laughs> okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Stand the two of them on top of each other, then we'd have a whole person. So we could say it's two. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so you basically, you know, you get rated in that club based on height as, as, yeah. as defined as a whole person, yeah? Yeah, I, we're going to go with height at this, at this point. Okay, no worries. <laughs> yeah, excellent, mate. Excellent. <laughs> Well, look, at, at this point, you know, a, a lot of our listeners will follow people along on their Instagram page and, and have a look. So do you want to tell us, if you don't mind, telling um, people where uh, where they can find you, what your Instagram handle is, so they might be going to have a look at this with some of the stuff that we're talking about through the show? Uh, yeah, I'm flypirate17 on Instagram. I just basically paste stupid stuff up that we do. Um, <laughs> uh, little boat builds, stuff with my family. But, yeah, there's some mad fly fishing up here, so I post as much of it as I can about that. The Pilbara is such a remote spot, you know, like there's so much happening here, but there's hardly any people, so it's an epic spot. Yeah. Yeah, it does look epic, mate. I mean, we've we've spoken to um, Matt Krankovich at uh, – I think I'm getting his name right there. Cranky. Um, in regards to What? Kronolovich? Kronolovich. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him on to um, again to to uh, give us the correct pronunciation of that. But for now, let's just call him Maddie. 
Um, yeah. So we've spoken to Maddie in regards to the area before, and uh, and and our and our friend who we've also on the show before, Dan Ivanoff, has raved about the area as well. And uh, so you did tell us about the town there, but um, do you want to explain a little bit more about where geographically it is for those who don't understand exactly where it is? So um, basically, if you go past Exmouth, about six hundred k's, you you're start you're in the thick of the Pilbara. And you can go as far as starting to get towards Broome before you're out of it. So it's about a thousand k's, and there's a lot of unexplored territory. Um, very seldom do I see another person fly fishing out here, and that's even in the most like localized spots that you'll find. Mm. Um, where Cranky is, he's got like some epic ground out there. Like I, that's where I started out with my obsession with this area. It's just out of Carratha and Dampier, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, lately. Like I've been starting to explore some hectic places that I don't. I don't know if they've even seen a bit of fluff thrown around. You know, like I know I, I chase a lot of information from spear fishermen, mm-hmm. and you know, quite often, like like the other day, for example, I was like, you know, like a good mate of mine I was like, oh, have you seen any of these? You know, like in big numbers on the in shallow water. He's like, yeah, yeah, I I cut them up for bait, you know, and he's talking about like a monster permit. And he goes, yeah, I just, you know, like I just cut them up in the water to bring other fish around and it, like it made my heart sink. But it also gave me a, like a really good location to target them for catch and release, you know. So you've got to take with the bad. You can't really um, judge, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, keeping them people on the right side can put you into some really good fish. A lot of the fish that I've found here have been through spear fishermen that have seen them and not wanted them, which can work for us with species that people don't generally eat. Yeah, right. So the Spearos are the guys that are- probably doing the most legs is that what you think yeah big time yeah and they're looking for the most remote locations where no one else goes the thing is that they don't hit the flats so um generally like the fish that we're targeting on the flats they're they're there during a certain part of the tide and they the sparrows generally aren't in that area like somewhere way out deep they might be getting them in a different part of the tide but um, that like I find that from what I've experienced up here and how hard it is to find another fly fisherman, um, there's so much happening and like nobody really gets out there, you know, like you can, I, I just live on Google maps, just looking at flats that look like they're going to work. Yeah. yeah so, mate. so you, you basically say, you, you, sorry, Vols, I was just going to ask just on the back of that, you're saying that this area is just got years and years of, uh, exploration left in it for, for fly fishermen. You know, the, the description that you use as far as saying that they probably haven't even seen a fly, um, you know, is, is pretty exciting to many fly fishermen. But it sounds like that's not no stretch of the exaggeration, uh, no stretch, of, no exaggeration, I should say. Yeah. So to put it in perspective, you've got like places like Port Hedland that, you know, like people have caught like big permit tuskies, like everything you can think of. And then you've got Exmouth, which can hold its own for everything that's there. And this some of these areas in between there's 150 k's between boat ramps so if you think about the general people that are going to be launching there they're going to be going out wide they're going to be dropping baits can be trawling lures and teasers like i'm talking 95 percent and very little people that'll actually go and hit that shallow stuff and focus on that low tide so low tide cycle Mm -hmm. so there's so much happening and um yeah it's just a it's a wonderland really but getting it dialed in is not easy either and I'm what sure Craig told you, you know, like with your, the the way that generally if you live up here, the rosters work in like a week on or a week off or two weeks on, two weeks off. And sometimes you actually 
you, you're way out of the ability to actually target those species. Because of the yeah, tides. Due, due to the tides. Yeah, the, the tides are extreme. And so, like, when you get – if you're chasing, say, permit or big tuskies on the flats, you you kind of got about four days a month to really hit it. And um, there's a few times there where, like, if your roster is, like, for your week on during the neeps, basically you can't do anything. Mm. And you can still go there on the springs. You're just going to be struggling with daylight is the biggest problem. Yep. If you want to sight fish them and then, um, yeah, and then just access to get in and out, which is like one of the biggest things is getting off a boat ramp with a run out tide and getting back in means that you're going to miss the low tide, which is generally, as you'll know, like the, the point where you're going to be targeting a lot of those species. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when we look at the Pilbara on a map and, and this might sound like, you know, a really naive thing from it, from an East coaster who's never been there, but you know, looking right up the northern part of the Pilbara, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, that would be bigger tides than down the southern end, right? Uh, yeah, it is, but it's kind of um, – it's not always that simple. So, like, Port Hedland, for example, gets really big tides, and then yeah. sometimes uh, – I can't remember exactly how it all works because I basically look at the location and the date that I'm, I can potentially be there. But yeah. – Headland gets some really big tides and further up sometimes like 80 mile and stuff i don't i've got a feeling that they don't fluctuate quite as much so yeah. it depends yeah. on also the depth of the the area and all sorts of things you know like there's a lot in it i used to work up a cool and, and cockatoo island and they got like 11 meter tides and it was wild what? But yeah like you'd be walking across a beach and then on the way home you're climbing across a cliff you know like half fear and fear life <laughs> well that's living barry for sure <laughs> that's nuts that's um yeah. that's incredible because it's uh how far like you're saying that uh i can't remember the amount of kilometers you said north of Exmouth, the pilbara starts and then you're getting out of it at round broom but i know the tide difference between say something like you know Exmouth and broom is is quite dramatic as well it's massive yeah so Exmouth, you're only getting a couple of meters but it, it's kind of location specific like Exmouth on a big tide you definitely feel it like there's times i'll take the family down to the beach you know with three kids just wanting to swim and there'll be reef for 200 meters so you still feel it it's just kind of um it's almost like it's in proportion to the location mm. and then broom you'll get the same thing but um you know you try and launch a boat and broom on low tide and you drive and sometimes like into areas that nobody ever wants to okay everyone's got a launch car up there you know that one that they wouldn't ever drive to the shop mm. <laughs> wow like so a kluger or something like that because <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty bad right yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> so mate i'm just <laughs> i'm just looking at uh the, the map now um and I, I, I'm looking at a town, Onslow, right? There's there's a whole bunch of islands to the north of that. That I look dead sexy as well. Is, um, but there's no there's no roads going near it. Does this stuff ever get explored? So this is the best part of it is that the the boats that go there, um, it does get explored very seldom by fly fishermen. But um, yeah. the areas that you go there, so like what Dan probably told you, we've done a couple of really big Montebello Islands trips last year. Mm. Mm. And the boats that generally go there 
they're capable of getting there, but once you're there, then you're pretty well fingered. You're like, you can't get on the flats. You, you generally won't have an electric or a way of moving the boat in the flats. So that's why I think those spots, same as Onslow, they don't really get the right pressure that we're thinking of, which is in a perfect sense. I don't think they get any fly fisherman pressure because if you can get to those spots, you are generally in a boat that can't fish the flats. And yeah, so right. a couple of dudes, you know, like, like Cranky and that have got like a great boat that basically bridges that gap. I hate to think what they cost, but um, that's the thing is like coming, coming down to the craft that you're going there in like this last trip I did with Dan and Ivanov, we had, I took this bunky old penguin phantom, which I got for three and a half grand with a failed CDI. It took me two years to fix it. But then <laughs> I stuck a little water boat on the roof. So we got over there um, in a boat that was already too small to go. There it was only 4.8 meters. It's a hundred Ks. Mm. And we, um, we basically parked it up and pulled this porter boat out and fished off it for six days. And so you've really got to have a bit of a plan in order to access those areas through that low tide cycle. I must, I'll say this, and you probably knew this. Dan told me that he was extremely calm the whole time in that journey. <laughs> he pretended well. to be. Yeah, well, no, I'm joking. He, he said he was white knuckling the whole time. Dan knows me well, and all our trips that we've done, he's definitely considered what he's, he could do better in life if he had another chance <laughs> at it. <laughs> it's pretty funny but you got to some some pretty anyone epic fishing anyone comes fishing on my boat or any of my boats will will know that there's probably a good chance you're going to die like i i basically <laughs> on the northern chance. end of your safety barrier margin you know like i uh, i don't know it's, it well, wakes good to be up yeah, like uh, I've I took my my micro skiff on a a ninety k round trip up the Barrett Peninsula. I nearly died multiple times. Got a fine from the water police because it's not registered or safe, and pretty much had to tip it upside down to get the water out like two or three times. Oh wow, well that's that's incredible, eh? It's uh... and I one bastard, and it was probably one of the best ones I ever got. Worth it. Yeah, <laughs> but I did sit around, get nude, and drink champagne. So that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's just icing on top, really. <laughs> well, I want to get to you, the the boats and stuff like that, and those who are cruising through the page can probably see that and probably waiting for us to get to that. But, um, you know, I guess you know you kind of answered this question as well. But I did want to ask you, you know, how do you spend your time fishing in that area? It sounds like from what you already said that you'll spend mostly time on the flats. But do you ever hit the blue water or um or, or try you know fish deep as well or anything like that? I don't really, to be honest, unless it's because my wife's driven me out of the house and said, don't come back without fish. <laughs> and if that happens, I'm basically on someone else's boat because um, I don't know, like when I go out to to go for a fish, the crave that I'm looking for these days is not bringing home things, you know, like it's finding new ground. I don't even have to catch fish. I'm just happy finding new ground or exploring parts that I've scoped on Google Earth for so long and had a look. And occasionally I'll go out and, like, you know, if there's tuskies around, like I'll take one or two home. But in general, like I'm pretty useless when it comes to the family side of things, coming home with fish. Like, mm. I, like I'll come home and I'll be like, oh, I saw two big permit today. And the missus is like, I don't care. Where's the fish? <laughs> what do they taste like? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And the yeah. Yanks actually taste all right, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So, um, yeah. yeah, 
like I don't really fish the blue water and there's some guys up here that are really dedicated to it. They spend a lot of time, they got the right boats, but I've never really financially been in that position where I can have one of those seven meter center consoles or something, you know, like it's just, I think it's, it's not that I wouldn't get into it. Like I once said to a good friend of mine, Stewie Dodd, who was out, we were out chasing GTs and he's just, and I said, you know, I was quite a youngster. I said, I'll, I'd, I'd be happy with something that's about five kilos that I can catch 20 of and I get my sizzle on and have a good time. And he's like, yeah, but then you get that one GT. And I was like, at the time, I couldn't really imagine it. Like, I was just like, that's just not me, you know. And then as as time goes on, you become more content with those little five kilo fish and you start looking for something else. Mm. And, uh, you know, like through the evolution of of like, you know, getting your confidence with fishing, eventually you end up like basically going past fish that you know would eat, but um, you're quite happy to see them, but you don't really need to catch them. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point because we've we've brought this up on the on the show a couple of times with this, and I I mean this isn't about me, but I find this an interesting point that I could share some of my experience with as well. I'd be interested to hear your opinion of it, but like it's uh uh I found myself getting bigger and bigger boats going further and further and chasing those fish that you're talking about and going over fish that um, I'd previously caught and I'm not interested in. And then having, uh, and I've gone right back down to a much smaller boat now and I'm finding myself enjoying going back to that, that sort of stuff and that sort of scene a bit now. Uh, it's a, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I would never discredit that because I have found that I'm eating a lot of humble pie these days about the things that I used to say because that is how it works, you know, like you become content. You find a, let's say like in your early days, you would know the same. You find a flat that's loaded with golden trevally or something and you would go there repeatedly and have like literally smile so hard that you're cutting the top of your head off. And then eventually like you go, yeah, okay, I wonder what else is around, you know. And so you move through that that kind of that system where you you, you learn, okay, I've got that dialed in and it's a cool place to come if you're bringing a friend or something, but then you start looking for something else. And so I, I like had a good friend of mine that was in that situation. He'd reached the point of, of his fly fishing where he was so content watching someone froth on whatever they could put a bend in the rod, you know. Mm. And, um, yeah, he, he basically used to go out and he'd be pretty happy not even fishing. We'd go out for like a two-day overnighter and um he just basically be stoked watching me casting flies at fish that he knew he could catch in a heartbeat sometimes he'd push me out the way just to show me that i could i'll be like no nah, it's not hungry he'd be like yeah it is mm. and um yeah and then you you end up just moving on from there i suppose and now like i'm taking friends out and i'm quite content like i'm really a big fan of polling on boats and mm -hmm. so i'll be so happy just polling along while someone's casting flies or even lures, you know, like crabs off plastics or hard bodies or something. There's a flat that I've been fishing a lot lately where there's heaps of rays with like mid-sized GTs on them. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's around that wants to come, like I get nothing more out of like putting someone onto fish that they can see and telling them kind of what to do. Even, even though it's a simple little GT, watching the f the smile on their face is out of control, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know, it's funny, eh? Like you, you know, like we've spoken to a couple of guys from the sort of roughly area or fish the area and stuff. You know, I don't know if you put that open invite to everyone who's listening then, but I mean, or intentionally too. But 
it's, it's the one area of Australia that people are like, come over, come over. Everyone else, like, you, you know, you, you don't, you don't. Come near my spots. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is. Yeah, yeah, it's right. But, uh, I mean, I guess it's understandable. Like, I live on the sunny coast right now on school holidays, and it looks like an ant farm. There's yeah. thousands of people everywhere, you know. So, yeah, chalk and cheese, almost like a different world, I guess, you know. Pe- it is maybe. A- like I would love to put it out there for people, but to be honest, I got three young kids, and I like am struggling to find time for myself. Mm. It's um, getting to that point now where every trip I go on, everyone's like, "Oh, we're going to do this and that and this and that," and I'm just like, "Well, I've got three kids on the boat," and they're like, "Oh, I thought we we're going to, you know, it was going to be like a coke and hookers trip," and I'm just like, "No, nah, no, it's not <laughs> really. <laughs> not this, not this time." They see, <laughs> they see my boat, and they're just like, hey, "Is that safe?" I'm like, "Definitely not." the the boat that i'm i'm converting into the jet boat that thing has so much history and i had the luxury of fishing with nick raygart a couple of years ago yeah and um he he saw the boat and he saw the shit that was going on and he was just like how are you not dead like some of the adventures that I've had in that old thing until I converted to the jet boat. So I called it the RAS and it was like a, a guardian runabout. And I tried to take that to the Monty's. I tried to take it all sorts of places, but um, it had dual batteries, dual bilges. It had so much going on. And that I reckon really set the benchmark for me as to what you actually need to fish like a like a, a serious fisherman, you know, like you got to be com- prepared to put up with a bit of punishment. But I took that to places that no one else I think would have taken it. Dan Ivanoff probably tell you about it. He, um, yeah, he definitely had white knuckles on that boat a few times. I'm interested in the definition of, I tried to take it there. What does that mean? Uh, so there's a, like, like in how the, do you fail in, and, in the, and live? You, Sorry. um, you get these like uh, like reasonable crew around that um, they froth on the same thing you froth on. And anywhere else, like if you're in Perth or if in Brizzy or wherever, someone will text you go, hey, I like fly fishing. Do you want to hang out? And you'll be like, well, you know, I've got 20 fly fishing friends. Well, in the Pilbara, people aren't like that because there's so few of them here that if you connect in some way, and especially with things like Instagram or Facebook, you're just like, and they go, looks like a cool dude, let's hang out. And so there was this dude um, that I got in touch with who we were totally on par, except that my boat was 2300 bucks and his was 33000 And he <laughs> paid up a trip to the Montes and the weather turned to shit. Wade, his name is Wade Stanhouse. He's an end game sport fishing. He's such a nice dude. But we rocked up like first time we'd met in the middle of nowhere on some islands that I, I don't know. I definitely would comfortably say no fly fisherman has ever been there. And so I'm in this $2,300 bunkie with an unreliable motor on the back and he's in this beautiful flats boat. And um, so we just ended up camping out for like four nights talking shit. And like, I, I like for someone that you just, you roll in and you don't even know, I feel like um, when you, you've got a common thing like fly fishing, you're already going to get 90% of that out of the way. Mm. So we totally hit it off, talk shit for days. And um, then on the last day, the reason why – so I, originally I said to him, let's go to the Monty's, and I was going to follow him in this four-and-a-half-metre um, piece of shit boat. And he, he eventually he said, look, the weather's going to blow up. Let's just go do something else. What's your backup plan? And I said, these islands that I don't think I know anyone 
or have heard of anyone going to. And they had these delicious looking flats around. It's a place called the Marianne Passage, and it's like about 40 k's out to sea, and it comes up to like a foot, and it it's got flats for days, like ridiculous. So like we met a made a pla- place to meet, and we sat around and drank beers and rum, and we actually like now Steve definitely keep in contact, but the um the location was was lush, but the weather was terrible. So the first two days was glass and on the last day i think even with my reputation i think it was the closest i've been to sinking my boat and dying like <laughs> probably ever <laughs> <That's hectic>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so just got let's just get it's just overwhelmed by sorry you're right you get me it's not unusual for me to do that yeah so you're just well you're just pushing your boat past its capabilities yeah and just um or just get yeah or just, not, or just a little bit late to realise it's getting to that point, yeah? Is that... I'm dead. So that kind of means I haven't pushed it past that. I'm not dead, um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I have been close to sinking re- repeatedly. One of the times with, was with Nick Raygart, and that was hilarious. But um, in general, <laughs> I think, like, you've really got to look at your gear and your setup and make a plan. Like, I, I've never been in bad weather and gone... I think I'm going to die here. Like I've been definitely heighted senses, you know, like you're, you're a bit nervous, but the prep work that goes into boats means if you do it properly, you can have a really bunky piece of shit and you've done the right groundwork to make it safe. Mm. That's kind of something I've always run on, even something as stupid as the skiff. Like I've taken the skiff on some horrendous trips and been in some really bad weather, but the skiff's full of foam. So it's not going to sink. It actually can't sink. So when you got that as kind of like your your backup plan, you know that you can push it a little bit further. Mm. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. What? What? Yeah. Yeah, I understand. So you're saying you're saying that the ultimate inconvenience would be to lose your boat, whereas some people's inconvenience would be having to turn the bilge on. So it's just a matter of perception, really, right? Uh, I I always run two bilges in my boats because I do stupid shit with them. Yeah. Like, losing your boat, man, it happens way more than people think. Like, that night we were camping out on the last night um, with with Wade, we were parked up on an island and the tides were starting to get a bit bigger. And we woke up in the morning and we sat there having a coffee, looking at the boats that were high and dry. And his boat was like 90, well, it was 180 degrees to my boat. And we both said, oh, that doesn't quite look right, you know. Like, usually when boats settle in the night from the tide, they'll settle in the same direction. Mm. As the tide picked up the boat, it just floated away. Huh? That was a $33,000 boat. Why did it float away? Don't know. Yeah, so it broke in the anchor in the night, but we were just lucky that it was the wind had left it on the sandbank that was our island. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So as the tide picked up, it just floated away. And then pressure was on for me to get him on my bunky-ass boat and drop him off on his boat to drive it back to pick up all the gear. and then proceeded to do i did 10 k's it took me an hour and 40 minutes to do 10 k's yeah right just because of the conditions yeah like i was copping full green waves over the bow i had stuff like washing around in the boat both bilges going flat out and it got to the point where i was actually stalling against the 
the waves in order to let the boat bilge out, and then I'd start to push forward again. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. And um, and how did you feel at this point with this? Were you were you freaking out, or was uh, and was, was your passenger going, "What's going on, dude? Are we going to make this?" or anything like that? I, I never can find a passenger that's stupid enough to get in a boat with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this podcast is going to do you any favors there, too, Greg. But um, but yeah. So were you? Was it? Does that stuff freak you out? Uh, it, it does, but um, some fun that I've had in the past has kind of. I feel like your your comfort zone stretches every time you go through like a traumatic experience. Mm. And mine stretch so far now that like I I kind of it has to go like with the planning that I do because I do do a lot of planning. Like I'm not irresponsible and I've got a family to look after, but I plan pretty carefully around those things. And I think a lot of people don't um, think about the the simple things. Right? I, I'll give you an example. Right? So. Me and a mate, Stewie Dodd, we did a trip. We towed my bunkyhouse boat all the way up, did a dampier trip. We were 32 k's out for sea, and it was. we towed it up there knowing that it was a four-cylinder motor and only three cylinders worked. <laughs> One of them was like quagmire laughing. It was like, yeah, 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 Like there was nothing there. No <laughs> giggity, giggity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so we, we put like, um, we still drove it up, and we still sent it. And we loaded that boat up within an inch of its life. And still to this day, that was one of my favourite trips I've ever done. And it was a dirty old two-stroke Mercury. But on the third day, um, oh, the second day actually, through the night, it half sank. And so we woke up, found out it was just a leak and bung. And um, we managed to like just power away and just get the water out. And she was all good and we just sent it. But what had happened is the trim motor and those old school ones was like an electric over hydraulic kind of a setup, you know, mm. the old dirty batteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so to cook that motor, so the only way to get it to trim down from there on was by my mate Stewie standing on the, on the motor while I trimmed it down. <laughs> and so it was putting heaps of stress on the motor. And then it didn't help that at one point, like, we'd finished fishing a flat for bastards. We'd had a fat time. We were two days into the trip and he stood on it. And, like, I pushed it most of the way down to at least the prop was in the water. I said to him, oh, look, I'll just – I'll start to power on and the thrust of the motor will push it down. But what I didn't think about was that we were only in a metre of water on a reef flat and that the, it was actually thrusting it, the, the boat down. So as soon as I put it into gear – oh, and that's right. So because I was missing a cylinder, I had to have it, have it sitting at, like, 1,500 RPM to be able to put it into gear. <laughs> and so <laughs> – we're 32Ks out to sea. I put it into gear, running like high idle, and then as it's grabbed gear, it's gone downwards instead of forwards and it's punched into the sandbar and snapped the motor off the back. <laughs> Holy jeez, man. That's hectic. That's so crazy. That, like, we were freaking out because the motor had fallen backwards. The only thing holding it up was the trim cables and the steering cables. And we managed to use a heap of ratchet straps and a block of wood and some zip ties and get it into a position where my mate could drive it back to base camp. Or actually, he went straight past base camp. He said, I'm just going back to the port because we're done. And mm. I was like, no, nah, we can still fish with that for the week. It'll be fine. <laughs> and um, he um, he was driving this bunky-ass boat with ratchet, y- yellow ratchet straps all over the motor. And because we only had one block of wood, we didn't really have much of a choice. 
it was actually trimmed out quite badly so that as soon as I got off the boat and jumped onto my mate's boat, it came off the trim and was sitting with the nose up. Hmm. And um, so I said to him, look, oh, so I've, I've jumped off the boat and I've left him and he's realised it's not getting on the plane. So he grabbed this big esky that we had, threw it on the bonnet and it almost came onto the plane. And so then he's climbed over the windscreen and sat on the bonnet and it's just slowly dropped onto the plane. He's like, yeah, sweet. So he's put a towel on there. He's grabbed a beer out of the esky and he's just laying on the bonnet by himself on this boat doing 32 k's back to Dampier. And some guy came up from behind and saw this boat driving itself around. And <laughs> the towel, they couldn't see anything through the bonnet. Because he's laying and down. Then, yeah, and so yeah. He's eventually he was just reaching over every 10 minutes and adjusting the steering. And <laughs> yeah, this guy was ready, standing on the gunnel, to jump into the boat and call sea rescue. And, um, yeah, he's seen Stewie just laying there having a beer. No way. Living that's his Aussie best. as. That's that so good. That's a great story. Man, that's, that's, that's so loose, dude. <laughs> to this day, like those trips, you know, like people get so fancy about their boats and stuff, and it's good to have a nice boat. We were just not in a position to do it. He was renovating a really nice old boat, and mine was as good as we had. And <laughs> we had a blast. Mm. Well, I guess that gets us on the subject of boats because clearly you know boats. You've uh, you're going through your page. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever the reason is, like you've uh, you've put yourself in the deep end with a couple of them now. Um, yeah. One of the most interesting ones there that that you know, uh, in my mind, puts you on legendary status is that um, jet ski conversion to that boat you're yeah. talking about, right? That's the one you're talking about that you cut the hull out of. That um, up until about a month ago, that boat was a really big question mark in in mistakes that I may have made in life. <laughs> what the, the the finished product with the jet ski engine? Is that what you're talking about? It would even work, you know. Like there's a lot of things to consider with jet can can instead of props because props kind of respond to the water in a different way to jets. And I was going from like a a hundred kilo jet ski to a like a 400 kilo boat mm. but uh, you've probably seen the videos in the river in my local town like that yeah. thing's gonna have no problems with power can you before we get going can you can you explain the concept of what you did to the listeners so in, in case they're not following or, or not you know listening to the podcast for the first time and not really contemplating what they're seeing on your page yeah so like i got a i had this four and a half meter glass um it was a guardian hull which is an australian made mob but they're a single skin glass and they're actually very light. And I've always had a thing for jets because I run aground a lot. And um, I pretty much just completely cut the top off, took the motor off, sold it for nothing. And then I uh, was looking into materials to build basically like a Florida Keys style skiff. So I wanted a big casting platform at the back that could be used for poling. And I wanted a, a huge casting platform at the front, which at the moment they're three by three on both ends, roughly. Mm. And um, But I'm going with an electric. I'm going to let the pole go at the moment um, because I've found like it, with tides and wind, it can be hard to really tie it together. Like this is not the keys, the Pilbara, you know, like everything has its place. And I probably will carry one when I go on big trips because batteries only last so long. Mm. But um, basically, I've made it so I've got a console that your feet sit down into. You've got a three by three meter casting platform with the back and the front, and it I've built it out of 
a fairly experimental material. It's an extruded polystyrene. And I knew it was going to be tricky at the start, but um, now I'm finding a lot of issues with it. Um, it's it's got a five. I'm making it making it with a fiberglass laminate, and um, it's super light. Like I reckon the boat now for a four and a half meter glass boat it'd be under three hundred kilos with engine and all. Jeez. Oh wow, that's incredible. So it's super that's- light. Um, it doesn't have any wind drag. And like the thrust, I don't know if you guys have had much to do with jets, but they're so different to prop boats. So, you know, like a prop boat, you'll accelerate. And as the boat goes faster, the RPM comes up. Mm. Whereas mm. with um, jet boats or jets in general, when you accelerate, you can go to full throttle on the spot. Like it, it, it's not relative to the boat's speed. Yeah, because there's no, there's no, um, the, the props not resist. There's no prop to resist. It's just uh, so that. Yeah. So the water passing through these turbines for the jet aren't aren't lagging the motor. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you mean? Exactly. So they will pump the same amount of water out of the the nozzle at stationary as they will when you're doing forty knots. It's exactly right. the same. And okay. so they're relying on the opposing thrust of that motor motor of the water coming out of the boat. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. Okay. I understand. It's like it's like it's getting pushed rather than uh, well. Ooh, I guess the prop does the same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, pull, no, sorry. It, yeah. It, it's against the thrust. So the, the prop is actually touching the water. So it's got something relative, whereas um, the only thing that's relative with jets is the water is coming out at a certain rate and that the opposing thrust is pushing you forwards. Yep, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yep, it makes sense. Well, story but- short, like I, I gave it that test drive a couple of months ago and it scared the shit out of me and I crashed it a heap of times. But we're, we've fixed all that. Like, the steering now works. Um, but it's probably one of the funnest things I've done since conceiving children. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, after there, I've been working on that for two years. Yeah. Oh, oh, have you really? Okay. Is it, I mean, is yeah. this uh, the same the same hole or you've had a couple of goes at it over a couple of years? Because, um, you know, a lot of your recent posts uh, are involving that boat. Or have I, been, have I not been paying attention? I've been following for that long. It's uh, oh yeah, fourteenth of January, twenty twenty. I'm looking at a post now where you put the um yeah. the jets in. Yeah, it's basically a old chook drinking machine. Like I've got a I've because I built the boat out of a fifty mil foam. I built like a like a custom esky into it, and like everything has a place. It's going to be a very tangle free boat, and it's going to be perfect for the the flats here because I know like you guys probably understand, but for anyone else. Like a lot of your opportunities to sight fish are always over the bottom end of the tide. And so up here, like sometimes that bottom end, that'll be the difference from one day to the next will be 0.4 of a meter, you know, like it'd be quite a bit of movement. Mm. And it basically pushes the ability to go to different locations. Like I, I can confirm that boat can drive in eight inches of water, no worries at all, not sucking up rocks or dirt or anything. Well, that, and so, that, sorry, mate, you go. So the, the the ability to get in earlier, fish that lower end of the flat, and then get out when you need to, basically changes the day that you may be able to go on or may not be able to go on. So like to get back to the boat ramp. So in the Pilbara, like the boat ramps are are basically a use when is safe. It's not like a this is guaranteed over this over all tide cycles. You know, like mm. it's when you can get in. Good luck to you. And what what would what restricts you? Just the lack of water in for most boats, but you're not fine. You don't 
it's not it's not is it completely dry they dry right out like you can't use them yeah, at all some of them, some of them completely dry out like yep. one of the places i've been fishing the most lately and i think that the reason that it fishes so well is because no one can get in and out of there on the, the tides that i can get in in and out on on the skiff mm. so mm. sometimes i'll be launching there and there's heaps of people pulling their boats out and it's eight eight o'clock in the morning and i'll be launching because like i can be on the plane in a foot of water no worries yeah this is this is pretty cool eh? like there's there's video of you like driving this for people who are listening and like it's uh, that video where you crashed it <laughs> i mean you can see how skinny that water is you know it's um it's yeah. a cool video i'm watching that just going wow this is this is crazy man it's um yeah. and you're saying your thing like it's only half throttle it, like why why do you reckon the, this this concept i mean i know there's jet boats i've you know you see them in new zealand you see them in rapids and stuff like that yeah. i know they got them in um some of the northern parts, the, the smallmouth guys and musky guys or pike guys in, in the States as well, um, as opposed to drift boats, some people use them. But uh, why do you think this concept hasn't taken off for for skinny water, flat sort of fishing? I think it's going to be similar to the reason why no one builds boats out of construction foam, which yep. I'm going to learn later in the down the track, and it's probably not going to be a good time. So yeah. there's, there's probably heaps of problems with them that – um, propped boats they're tried and tested you know everyone knows what they're buying and i think um i'm definitely not one person to, to step out and say oh, i think i've done something revolutionary you know like i think a lot of people do it but they probably know more than i do and um i think like things fouling up seaweed who knows what's going to give me grief i know one of the biggest things that turns people away from jets is that in general they are horrendously less efficient than propped boats so you have to pay a lot of attention to your weight so what yeah. happens is when um you load up a propped boat it actually has a different amount of thrust on the water and it almost balances out so of course it, it will not be as efficient but it will be close to as efficient when you load up a, a jet boat it's compoundingly less efficient so that's why I focus so much on the construction material. I have single skin glass laminate with epoxy resin and over a construction foam, which weighs 33 kilos per cubic meter. So it's super light. So you think of like a, so M grade. Yeah. yeah, like a meter by meter and like a kid could basically lift it up, you know, it's super light, but so what, with that bit of fiberglass, it's, it's strong as well. So, uh, it, well, obviously epoxy construction, you can go straight onto that. I mean, extruded, is it extruded EPS or extruded polyurethane? Uh, I'd have to look it up. I can't remember. Did you did you use a epoxy or um, or vinyl ester or polyester? Yeah, so you can't use any anything other than epoxy with it. Uh, it it's polystyrene then. So it's it's extruded yeah. polystyrene. Yeah, yeah. XPS they call it. Yeah, XPS. Yeah. That's what it is. And yeah. it actually has caught me out a few times. Like I was laying all the carpet on top because I wanted it like full marine carpet on top, mm-hmm. and I was spraying on like a a um like a three M adhesive, and it was just melting the material away. Yeah, hydrocarbon like, based stuff will do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and everything I've done with that boat so far has required something to change in order to keep it moving forward. Mm. Yeah, but it's it's so interesting. So good. I don't know why it doesn't get used more. I know, I know that they, they, you know, vac, uh, like vacuum sealing and stuff for for resins and 
epoxies and stuff like that. It's pretty popular with uh, with EPS uh, or XPS, even construction and EPS, I suppose. I mean, EPS gets used in surfboards quite a bit these days, but um, XPS is um, is is quite is um, I don't know why is it was it the blue stuff like that Dow product they used? Yeah. Pretty yep. much, you can buy it from Bunnings. You can buy it anywhere. I bought it from um, a really good Australian mob called um, Foam Sales. They're just in Myra in Perth, and um, I hit them up. I was like, "Look, I'm going to build a boat out of this. If you're interested, I'm going to put it all over Instagram. Can you hook us up with a good deal?" And I pretty much say that even when I buy my groceries. And um, <laughs> they were like, "They were like, I'm yeah, no it. worries. Didn't bat an eyelid." Um, but half of the material turned up like all bowed and wrecked. So that's one of the biggest things that's rocked me with the build is that if as soon as it's exposed to sunlight, it starts to bow and get destroyed because it's not UV stabilized. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So um, and I like they said to me, as soon as you laminate with glass or something, when it gets exposed to sun, it will try and move, but it can't because the laminate is holding it. But the bit that bit on the front of the boat where i want to put the bow cleat is like literally looks like a marshmallow like it's terrible because it's been hanging out the front of the carport mm. so i'm still like it's it's been a super fun build i think it's going to be a weapon of a boat but i'm still working through how i'm going to make it so that it doesn't turn into a marshmallow yeah right okay well i guess that's that's probably the nature of the material to it to a certain degree but It'll all come down to, um, I mean, if you can, if you can reduce the, um, uh, um, the amount of heat that gets, because what happens with um, polystyrene is that, you know, like if you if you clad a house in polystyrene and paint it black, because it's so insulative, all the heat gets kept in the coating, and I guess that could happen. You know, that could happen definitely with what you're doing there as well. Like you know, you got if you got that dark carpet on there and it's just getting brutally hot, you know, yeah. that's it's gonna it's definitely gonna um, break down the coating sooner. Than it would, you know, with with like a white color or something like that, a uh, light like that. Light, they call it light reflective value, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why it doesn't get used more. I really don't. Like, there's also I use my boat's foam. My boat's completely foam filled as well. It's uh, it's not single skin. It's dual skin. But that's that's how I got a Boston Whale. That's how it's come. But I did all the inside like that with um, uh, poly polyurethane sheet. Yeah, so it's right. um, it's only 15 mil, but I still laid it up with um, uh, biaxial and 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 um, just cloth, uh, biaxial cloth and um, choppy, you know, just a couple of layers, and yeah. it's strong as, you know, super light. I don't know why it doesn't get done when people people still use ply, which is it's cool, but you know, there's no way water's going to do any damage at all, is it really? With um, with with XPS or um or polyurethane or even EPS, really, it's it's such a good material. And like you said, for what do you say? 400 did you say 300 kilos or 400 kilos or well, it's lighter 250 30, 33 kilos per cubic meter oh no i mean the, the boat all up with the with the with oh. the motor yeah it's like under 300 that's that's so nuts that's that's wild yeah. so two people could carry like you could i mean it'd be a bit of a mission but you two people could drag that to the to the water really eh? well when i crashed it up those rocks in that previous video like we twice pushed it back into the water and that was like three or four meters no worries there was just two of us wow <laughs> That's that's pretty convenient. There's a dude like I don't know how much you watch those videos, but they were so funny. So I've got a mate who's like a complete legend, and he comes on my adventures, nearly dies repeatedly. Like came to the Montes with me, and he doesn't even fish. Mm. He just knows as soon as I to run. (laughs) Yeah, if I ask him to do something, he's just like, "Fuck yeah, are we going to die?" I'm like, "Probably." He's like, "Cool." (laughs) 
There's a ninety six percent chance we're gonna fucking die here, but come <laughs> along, dude. It's gonna be great. What do we got uh, to drive in? It's this invention idea where I cut up a jet ski and me- meshed it with a boat. You'll love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine explaining that to the coroner. You know, they actually think like, the build is going to end up being pretty solid because you know, like a lot of people get really fluffy about social media and they like take it a bit too seriously. But some dudes um, hit me up about my fiberglassing techniques and they were super positive and they're just like, bro, have you considered what you're actually doing there? And I was like, not at all. <laughs> and they gave me some really good feedback and I've now completely <laughs> changed the way that I started the build. Like I was glassing the – when I actually put the, the pump drive and the engine mount into the boat, some dude was just like, bro, that thing's going to come flying out like a rocket. Like you, if your kids are sitting on it, consider them rocket men you know and i was yeah. like okay what cool does it mean? yeah and they're just like look get this double bias whatever like they go and i said alternate laminates with that and chop strand and all the jazz they gave me some such good knowledge like really positive and um just knowledgeable you know like that, that is a wealth oh, of yeah, knowledge yeah yeah i mean yeah so yeah so that basically was so you, you're just laying it up with just just choppy without without fabric or something at the time and uh, I was just doing um, like a simple 200 gram mat and I was just um, cutting strips and just laying it in on top of each other, not really thinking too much about it. Yep. And then so it's only like, strong one way. Yeah, this guy, I know Chris Roth, he's over in Victoria. He's like, bro, have you looked into this? And I was just like, nah. And mm. he was so informative, but not in like a judgy kind of way. You know, he was just a legend. Mm. And um, I ended up ordering all the shit that he said to order. And I feel like now my kids won't be rocket men. <laughs> yeah, that's a positive rough, mate. That's a <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what a, a champion! It's a good man. Yeah. Can, can you? I don't understand. I don't understand anything about jet ski engines other than they're usually attached to people who ruin tuna schools. But um, <laughs> um, it, is can you can you trim it or anything like that? Can you do anything to like uh to trim the hull or anything like that, or is it just fixed? On the big jet skis, you can, and on the one that I took the power plant from, you can. Yeah. Um, haven't hooked it up yet, mainly because the trim cable. So I bought two jet skis; they were both wrecked, and uh, made one good one out of two. It's not that good, and um, <laughs> I had to use a trim cable for the throttle, which hasn't worked that well, and hence why I kept crashing when I was running up the river. <laughs> um, and so I will potentially, at the moment, the trim is I've just left it, but you can trim it. And you can use that for efficiency and all sorts of different things. But at this point, I'm just going to go and crash it as it is. So how's, I mean, in those tests, it looks pretty cool. But I mean, you're in only a couple of inches of water, but if you took that out into open water and you could, you know, really hit the hammer on it, like part A to my question is, would it, would it be wet because you can't trim it? Part B is how fast that puppy go? So two things. One, hopefully by next week, we'll find out how fast it goes. But yep. um, the trim side of it, is going to be really usable in bad weather. And so, you know how you said to me, like, where are you at with jets and against props? I don't know yet because I haven't done any stupid trips in that yet, which is going to be the defining factor. So, mm. like, those old boats, I've done some mad trips in really, um, really good boats, you know, like 460 Renegades, they're really common over east. They're, they're becoming really common over here. But they hate a following sea. And I've come home on some horrendous trips in that boat and it loves a following sea. As long as you don't bury the nose in, um, you know, like it, it 
stays really um, true with the following C. With mm. a jet, you don't have a fixed point of contact with the water. So you know how, like, you're, when your leg is down and your prop is down, when you back off the throttle, you still have some bearing as to where you're going to head and where the nose is going to point. Oh, yep. I see. Like, like a, yeah, yep. I understand. Like a keel, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, like a keel. Um, yep. But with a with a jet, you've got nothing, and the boat will skid into whichever position it wanted to go in. So and I think, yeah, it may not breach because that boat has quite a steep V. It's got a sixteen degree V. Yeah, I think it may actually keep it semi true. So, yeah. like everyone said, oh, you should start with a flat bottom boat. I was like, nah, because I really think it's going to be important to have some steering, um, which only requires a little bit of thrust as opposed to a lot. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it dep- yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I understand what you're saying there. It'd be a bit of a trade off. It'd be interesting to see that concept in a couple of different hulls. You know, like I think, um, yeah, I even. I mean, I hate these hulls, but I mean, it'd be interesting to be what it'd be like in like a Markham Whaler or something like that, like a a, a true yeah. cathedral hull or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you would. I think they're very underutilized in Australia because they um, there's so many really good old boats just sitting in people's backyards that they don't even want. Mm. And, and they're and glass, and they're just they're easy you know, to renovate. It's all to go and spend fifty grand on a boat, but there's so many cool things. And I like you, you'll know as much as me. Like there, there's so many things you get out of building something, and then when it actually works, or when you take it out for a wrap, or you take the kids for a buzz, you built that. You know, you made it yourself. Like mm-hmm. that skiff, that skiff cost me a thousand bucks or less, and the the kids will remember it mainly because. They nearly died heaps of times. Because they jetted off, yeah. It's, I'm about to convert convert it into my, my young fella's bed because, like, I'm going to build another skiff next year. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah. Hey, hey, Greg, Greg yeah. before we – sorry, sorry, Chris. Just before we move on too much, um, what, do you, what sort of fuel economy are you getting out of the jet? At this point, I've only crashed it up a couple of rock bars, but um, – it's looking to be pretty reasonable. So you know how props can't give you a value as to how much fuel they'll use because it depends on the load? Yes. Yep. So with a jet, they actually can because it's not proportional to how much water is coming out of the jet. So when you accelerate, let's say – so I'll give you an example. Is The jet that I'm using will do one tank of fuel, which is 50 litres, for an hour, hour and a quarter – at full throttle. So basically, you could stick it in anything. You could stick it in a 25-foot Bertram if you wanted to. It's still going to use the same fuel because it's not responsive to the speed you're going. Mm, so yep. basically, with a little test that I did when I crashed it in the river that heaps of times, um, I know that I could probably commute on about 18 to 20 knots at half throttle. So um, I think I'm going to get really good range. So it's got a 50-litre tank, and I've set it up so it actually draws off another 20-litre tank. So mm-hmm. I have to put a breather in it. So basically you connect the main tank, which is coming out of the jet ski, and then that 25, which is just one of your general boat ones, and you just open the breather on that one, and it'll use that fuel first. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the guy. Well, that's uh, – yeah, okay. Then what, do you just close it up and then you just open the breather on the other one? It sucks out of that one then. No, you just leave it open. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the guy. It's 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 man. There's so many questions. It's so it's super interesting. Like, did you? So I mean, I'm I I bet you I know the answer to this question before I even ask it. But I mean, 
Later I'm on. guessing you. I'm guessing you weren't inspired by seeing another one first. I'm guessing you've just gone, "Fuck, that'd be a great idea." I'm gonna. I'm just gonna start it and just see what happens. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I must admit, dude. Like I, you know, like it's. Um, I mean, I'm. You know, I've reno- I've renovated boats and re- and repaired more than I'd like to of boats, but uh, so I can admire the work that's gone into it and the thought that's gone into it and the creativity that's gone into it. That's for sure. Because I tell you. I reckon myself personally, I think many people would have spent months just walking around that hole going, huh, what, what about this? What about this? And, you know, although you said it took you two years to build, I don't think that's uh, like you know, a slack effort by any means. I mean, the thought that must have gone into this, even the thought it takes to lay out hatches and stuff like that and how to make that work in a, in a renovated boat when you're pioneering, I don't think people understand the amount of work that's in that. Like the amount of work that must have, must have worked that t- to take into cut that engine out and put half a jet ski in that <laughs> it's it's so cool man I, I i love it i love every part of it man I, I tell you mate it's one of the most impressive things i've i've ever seen on the internet i'm i'm not even kidding it's uh it's great good on you man it's it's, it's so cool it was actually a real buzz to know that it works on even though i crashed it a heap of times in that river like to know that it was actually there was proof in the pudding like i reckon when that hits the flats like it that hull was actually really capable anyway mm. but um, I, like I'm looking forward to actually doing my first trip out, even just a few Ks and hitting the flats and having a bit of fun in it. But it, making use of those platforms, like I've got a three by three meter platform on the front and the back of the boat. And it's the, quite the dance floor, eh? Yeah. The wife said to me, oh, where are you going to put the handrails for the kids? And I was just like, just cold silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My so missus said the same thing. I, originally, I was making it like a bass boat, and I wasn't even going to have that center um, console where you drop drop in. Mm. And I was just like, I'm putting this in here for the kids. She's like, yeah, cool. And then at the end, she's like, so where are the handrails going? I was like, oh, my God, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, my missus is saying, where's the umbrella go? We're we going to have one of those Bimini tops? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, nah. So hey, I'm looking at some photos of it now, like when it was upside down. Uh, is, those two holes that are at the back, beside behind, um, that's is that the where the intake is where they pull the water? They pull the water in from behind it, do they? No, they pull the water in from that big grate that's kind of oh, about yeah. a meter forward of the back of the transom. I can see that. And then those holes that I, you see, I've put the um, the the PVC plastic around it. Yep. So I, I got a, a bit of pipe, poly pipe, and I heated it up and then put it around there and glassed it in so that I could still utilize the original drain bungs. Oh, is that what they are? Yeah. Oh, okay, because they look, yeah, man, they, they look um they look like it's part of the uh, engine somehow, just like something. But I didn't, I could see that it's PVC. I didn't know what the material was. It's obvious now that you've said it. It's so they're just rain bungs, and I, I didn't want to have to – the whole build, right? So, I, like, I'm not rich, but I'm definitely not poor. But I, I, my projects have to come out of my own funds, you know? Like, the wife and I have got a pretty good agreement. And everything I can trim on, it's kind of a thing in life in general, you know? Like, you could go and throw two grand on a fly rod, but if you can get almost the same product – and and run it on the cheap then you're gonna get by like it's not like one of your arms is gonna fall off mm. yeah yep yeah. yeah man we uh yeah we no oh, I, I know i'm sure we basically oh, i can seal that down now yeah right that um yeah yeah i'm oh, sorry man i'm skimming through I, i'm not a very good podcast host what? to be looking at instagram <laughs> while talking <laughs> 
But uh, no, nah, look, it's just it's just super impressive. I think anyone who's who's built or renovated a boat would look at this and go, "Wow, you know, yeah. it's very cool, mate." Yeah. It's gonna be hilarious when it actually gets going. Um, but yeah, like to for all I know, it could spend a day in the sun and turn to, turn to shit. You know, like who knows? But I've I've hardly spent anything doing it, and I've had a blast. And now at the point, like I sit in it with my mates drinking beers or the kids. And um, yeah, it's it's been a fun build, irrespective of how it performs. But I reckon it's going to go sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reckon there's any way into the future you, you'd look at like a uh, a four stroke version? They make four stroke versions of jet skis. They'd have to these oh, days, wouldn't they? Definitely, yeah. And like really beefy ones, like three hundred horsepower ones. But uh, like I was actually shocked. So that that jet ski is rated at ninety horsepower, and I honestly don't think it needs anything else. Like. It scared the shit out of me, and I think that on the plane it's going to cruise at about two-thirds throttle, and I don't think it needs any more. But, you know, like if you were to go to a four-stroke jet, jet ski, I don't think they really do any under like 150 horsepower. Like They're generally a, like a, a high horsepower type of thing. Yeah, because uh, the only reason I say it is like when you listen to, when you watch that video, that two-stroke noise is so cringy <laughs> because you, from from being a, a jet ski, I wouldn't say I'm a jet ski hater. I'm just not a jet ski enthusiast. And uh, That's so funny you say that because to me, it gives me half a bastard. Like, it's the coolest sound. <laughs> you like when the two-stroke? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Like, bit with the skiff, you'd be mad to put a two-stroke on it. Mm. And so you end up becoming a bit addicted to the sound and the throb of the two-strokes. They're so good. Yeah. No, I not can understand that. Yeah, I can appreciate it anyway. Don't agree, but I can appreciate it for sure. It's uh, yeah. they just sound like noisy motherfuckers. That's for sure. But that that yeah. I guess that's the other thing we want to talk about. I suppose and we're getting on time massively, but there's so much I'd love to talk about this because your micro skiff's pretty rad too. You know, that's um, that 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 thing is that thing is pretty crazy. It's uh, is that what? Sorry, absolutely the world like that. Um, I built that for under a grand, and some of the trips I've done on it, I'm lucky I was already pretty suited to doing hectic trips because. Most people wouldn't have gone where I went, but I've explored some places that I honestly think never would have been seen because of conventional gear. Uh, boating gear, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like boats and, and equipment and everything, just planning. Like you had to be you had to be there at the right time to be able to like get use out of the space. And then that thing, like polling on that, like at the moment, like I'm polling myself along and then switching and casting and it's pretty hard work but um it, it's by far one of the funnest things i've ever done fishing off that like if you're a person that's comfortable fishing alone um i would n say nothing negative about having a micro skiff like you can plan your weather even if the weather goes bad there's plenty you can do so i've been in some horrendous conditions with that and just tacked you know like to get back to where i was meant to be going mm. Um, I've been like my planning has been really good to not get my gear wet. So I've just bought reasonable containers from Bunnings, bought good cleats and just strapped it all down and then just sent it. Like there's so much to explore out there. And you find like if you've got a good boat, let's say five meters or up, you take shit you don't need and you don't really think about it because you can. And I've done trips in that where I've used, I've done over. 100 k's and i've literally taken the beers that i was going to drink some rum if i run out and 
like everyone goes, oh, I'm going to take the camp oven and this and I'm going to cook these feeds and I'm just like, just take a pre-made meal. You've just got to warm it up on the fire, you know, like you really start trimming back all of those things that you kind of take for granted on a big boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like your style, man. That's um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I can yeah, I, I can appreciate what you're saying because I, like I said earlier, like I've gone down to, geez, I, I mean, my friends will know that I've said this plenty of times. Like my boat now is the smallest boat I've ever owned, but it's it is the 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 by far the the funnest boat I've ever owned, and it's it's the places it's taken me, the places it goes, the the speed it goes, how small. Yeah, just I just I just love it. It's great. I can definitely appreciate what you're saying there with that because you know coming from a boat that was probably. I don't know, even another meter and a half longer, you know, you, yeah. you're going through, you clean it out every couple of weeks and you go, I didn't even know that was fucking in there, you know, but now I've got to watch everything, you know, that's for sure. And it, you know, there's not much room, that's for sure, which is, which is great because the places I can go and the places I can take it. Um, yeah, it's good. It's, it's definitely changed my fishing too. There's so much people can do on that front, you know, like that last Monty strip, we were doing a bit of diving and it was hilarious. The, the stuff that people take on big boats, and I, I just took a heap of secondhand nuts from work and put them on a Atlas strap around my waist so that it could be my weight belt. But then I also used them as sinkers if I was actually going to drop a bait. And people <laughs> laughing at the time, but you could t- see that they were just going, that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, the price is right. If you're going to try and bring some food home for the kids, I ended up dropping a hand line for some Tuskies because the missus wouldn't have let me in the door if I didn't come home with something. And uh, <laughs> like the I, I the gear that I took was so um, minimal for that trip, you know, like in a four point eight meter boat, a hundred k's out to sea, three hundred k round trip. And the guy that I was going with, as I said, like he didn't even fish; he was just there to drink beers and have a blast, you know. And um, yeah, he's the same guy that I crashed that jet boat with a heap of times. And <laughs> uh, people just get so caught up in the equipment. It's just you just got to get out there, have a good time. You know, you can do it on the cheap. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. You, yeah, you're 100 percent correct there, 100 percent. Unless you know, you really got to. Yeah, I agree. I've always said that, even in regards to fly fishing equipment. You know, like you, you, you need to know how to get the most out of it, or or, um, or just start and start with whatever you can afford. You know, that uh, I guess that's probably been pretty um, not really explanatory in in what I mean there, but. Um, there's no point in starting with a fifteen hundred dollar fly rod, you know. That's for sure. It's just a matter, of, it, particularly if you want to fly fish, you get the same out well, of it. Same out of a hundred dollar rod. Yeah. You got guys over here that are like, um, you know, they love their fly fishing, and, and don't get me wrong, like I love nice gear, but if you were to put someone side by side who was a competent fly caster and stick a a fifteen hundred dollar rod and a seventy five dollar rod in their hand. If they didn't know it, they would cast basically the same loop, you know. And yeah. like the the boats, you can make you can reno any boat to make it so it can take a fly fisherman. Like my old, um, the one that I've converted the jet boat that that had like I had a Jarvis Walker cheap ass electric on the front. I had to constantly repair it, but that's all right. And um, <laughs> man, like I, I made that boat work. I had mm. fat times on it, heaps of tuskies on it, all sorts of different things. And, like, everyone gets carried away with this equipment. And it's so good when it's your thing, you know. Like, I, I really like that people identify with their sport. So if you run out and you, you're at the pub and you're wearing a loop shirt, I'll spot someone and go, hey, do you like fly fishing? And they're like, yeah. And so that's really cool. But at the end of the day, if it's going to be the difference between you going or not going, just buy cheap gear. Yeah, It'll that- get you. We've said that a lot, man. We we 
yeah, I'm, I'm sure I can speak on behalf of Volts and say we've, yeah, uh, yeah, we've said that a lot on the show. That's for sure. But um, just get out there, you know, like uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, you're right. Like you know, you get get someone knows what they're doing between a fifteen hundred dollar and a seventy five dollar rod. You're right. But some of those guys, you know, like some guys who, who know what they're doing can can split hairs and have the ability to split hairs on it. But I mean, it takes experience to be able to, to do that at the same time. And but for general fishing and being able to get it, there's no reason why someone with experience wouldn't uh, wouldn't um, wouldn't still have a fun day. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, I'm and not sure if I'm like- translating this this right, you know. But it's um. You know, for me, I like I like good gear too. You know, like it's um. But if I'm going to spend that, yeah, well, if I spend that money on that gear, I'm going to want to have to understand why at the same time. And there is there is plenty of literature around if you do understand these things and and can apply it to your own knowledge of casting. For example, with a rod, you know that can that you can you can see the value in some of those rods. That's definitely for sure. Um, same with reels. I mean, I've said this on the show before that um, it might have been recently, actually. I remember writing an article for an online magazine. They asked me to do reels and I could have summed it up which they didn't like in one paragraph. Is it going to take drag? Spend the money. If it's not going to take drag, tie the, tie the end loop around your big toe, you know? It's, yeah. um, you know, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to get it done no matter what. It's not going to stop you from getting on the water because you're fishing for, you know, not fishing for brim, you don't have a thousand dollar reel, that's for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 100%. It's so funny when people like I, I once wanted the, one of those clear water reels, you know, the T ball mate, because I do like T ball gear. Mm. And um, my missus was just like, Oh, is, is that going to? Because we were going to Argentina, we were fishing this mad stream that was right between the border of Argentina and Chile. Mm. And um, I was like, I need good gear for this. And she's like, So what, what have you got? And I was like, A $13 eBay special. And she goes, Does it have a drag? And I was like, how do you know what drag is? <laughs> She's like, does it have any? I was like, yes. She goes, well, it's trout. You don't really need oh, it. She's got you. <laughs> oh, man. You've been listening to me way too much. <laughs> no. I ended up, like, I wanted one of those T Bore clear orders. And uh, she's just like, shit, no, you're not getting one of those. We're about to spend <laughs> like seven grand on a trip. You're not getting one of those. I was like, okay, cool. And to be honest, I didn't go to the backing the whole time. Yeah. Or to even drag, really. <laughs> I, I had a fat time, but I didn't really have to worry about any of that sort of jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the moral of the story is there is um, never talk fr- fishing in front of your missus, really. I know. Don't let them know anything. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. That's true. Yep. Oh, oh that's great, mate. That, um, well, look, um, Greg, mate, we could talk to you for ages about this stuff, but I know I know you've been kind enough to um, – uh, you know, steal a bit of time away from the family, and and we had a limited time tonight, which I know we've sort of gone over a bit, but wow. um, yeah, well, mate, I, yeah, I'm I'm super appreciative of you made this time, mate, because this has been super interesting. And like, uh, I think that anyone who hasn't heard of you or was not following your page is now going to stumble across and see this jet ski boat, and just yes. the quality of the fishing you've got in your area there, mate. Like, it's just it's just a a, a very cool combo of of um of a of an approach to fishing. Uh, hands-on DIY uh, approach to, to your boating and stuff like that, with a with a level of no fear <laughs> in there, <laughs> combined with uh, one of the most pristine areas in the world. It's um, it's a it's a cool combo, man. It's um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. No, I like I, it. Man. I appreciate the call, man. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think there's a lot for people to take away from from this show. You know, like no matter where you live yeah. in the, in, the, in Australia, really. I mean, this could be done anywhere. I love- there's plenty of cheap boats out there, and with a bit of nous, you'll find the right one that'll get you on either on the flats or wherever that you want to fish. 
don't let money be an issue because oh, I see so much stuff come up and I'm just like, oh, I want to buy that. And the wife's just like, nah, that's stupid. You've already got four of those. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yep. That, that, yeah, wives are good for common sense a lot of yeah. times, that's for sure. There'll be plenty of um, posts coming up about the jet boat anyway to see if it actually works and to see if I die or not. Oh, mate, <laughs> we'll be watching. Well, I'll be watching with, with bated breath, that's for sure, mate. It's... um. Not to see if you die, of course. I realise how that sounds, but to yeah. see how it goes, to see the performance, and uh, you know, I get don't to... mind crash. Yeah, oh, you, you can tell. You've already filmed one crash. <laughs> <laughs> Please film more crashes. But uh, yeah, so that was that crash was just a um, it was just the momentum of the boat or the or the or the throttle cable you were saying that wasn't really re- um, as sensitive as yeah. you would have liked it to be. With with a throttle, well, with any cable, the center cable reacts opposed to the sheath that is outside of it yep and so i didn't have that really anchored very well so i put a heap of epoxy on it and i thought that'd be good but i actually didn't really think about the fact that there's like 700 liters a minute coming out of that jet unit like they're a wild bit of gear the 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 water that gets passed through a jet unit is insane so Mm. the power that that had to fight against in order to steer me was just moving the the sheath it was pulling the sheath true rather than moving the jet unit yeah yep so um yeah like it was hard to troubleshoot as well because i was like we keep crashing and my mate's like are you munted or what and i was just like no i'm steering it's just not moving and then when we was when we were still i was moving it and he could see that it was moving and he's like i don't know what's going on but it's not steering i was like yeah i know and so when I got home, I worked it out, and then by then I was drunk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So it was essentially <laughs> just just a bit of lag. You just needed to like um like cable tie the 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 sheath to something fixed, yeah, or something oh, like that. Oh, you're out of my heart. I cable tie everything. I don't fix anything properly. So I shouldn't. Have, yeah, that's, you're right. I probably, <laughs> I showed a bit of myself there, didn't I? Yeah. Did you cable tie or did you use gaff tape? Strangely enough, I actually went through the original parts left from the jet ski and I used a proper mount and I glassed it into the transom. Oh, yeah, okay. And that would have made a massive difference, I'd imagine, yeah? Yep. Uh, Well, I haven't driven it yet, but we're going to find out. Can you get (laughs) hydraulic steering for it or anything like that? You could, but, like, I could afford it. No, no, I understand. But, but I mean, like, uh, I wouldn't imagine... Look, listening to you tonight and looking at your style there, that you go out and buy a hydraulic steering unit for it. I, I would imagine you'd just figure this out, but I'm just interested. Can you? I mean, it's possible to get it right. Britain and just have a beer. Yeah. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking. Do you get much VB over there, by the way? Uh, I've, I've never heard of it. What is that? Is that like some sort of magical elixir? Oh, yeah. Well, it stands for very best. And um, what that means is it's in regards to the beer, it's the very best. I like it. I'll get you some. Okay, cool. If a guy lands in your town with uh, green and gold spandex on, just approach that dude and um, and uh, use use the use yeah. use the password in immediate line. Anyone who spends spandex is welcome in my house. <laughs> well, I, I would I would just um I would encourage you to just put whatever you know whatever beverage he offers you you know in in your mouth and give it a go and. Maybe just um, maybe just wear a bracelet that's got contact details and like um, you know, any allergies you've got there too. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> all, all right, Greg. Well, look, mate. Again, thanks heaps for your time, mate. And um, man, we'll we'll wrap this puppy up, and we look forward to 
I tell you what, it'd be interesting to get you back on and um and talk more about more about this boat when you got it pretty dialed, mate, for sure. But we'll be watching yeah, when it happens. And then I'll, I'll we'll see how it goes. Yep, no worries. Even if I end up flipping it upside down, I'll still give you a call because there uh, will be half of the thing people are waiting to hear about. <laughs> yeah, either way, mate, it's going to be entertaining. That's for sure. We we want to see it. Yeah, yeah. You, you saw the one of the the old uh, the micro skiff with that motor flying off the back. That was the coolest one ever. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. I I didn't. I can't remember seeing that. But was uh, it was probably. Was it in storage? Wasn't it? I, no, just uh, oh, like I launched the the skiff and then had dramas getting it going, and when I finally did. My mate didn't tell me he had a, a front and a rear anchor out, and I ran over his rope, and the motor flew off into the water. <laughs> what did it rip the rip the glass? Like did it? Yeah, rip, rip... cracked half the transom out, and I ended up limping home. She was all good though. <laughs> I love, I love it. You know, like it's uh, you can tell your you can tell how your reaction would be on the water with something adverse that would happen like that, just by the way you said that. Most people would be like. I- Oh man, so ripped out the fucking tra- transmit. It was it was shit. I hated it and it was fuck getting home. You were like, yeah, I just lived home. Sweet ass. Happy days. I had to dive yeah. for it. Now you remember those surfing videos where they they'd swim down and pick up a rock and run along the seafloor. Yeah, the the Hawaiians for their um like holding their breath training. Those things. Yeah, that that was me with my outboard. <laughs> I did like four four laps. It was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, you are building your lungs up. There's there's always a plus side to it, right? It's always a plus. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap this puppy up, eh? Thanks, buddy. No worries. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate your time, mate. See you, mate. Thanks, mate. So I reckon that what we can do is build you a paddleboard with a jet ski engine in it. What do you think? Yeah, man, I'd love to do that. Eh? I, I tried paddleboarding for the first time on the weekend. and um, You would have felt pretty free in a pair of sluggos, though, right, doing that? Uh, I was pretty self-conscious, eh? Yeah, really? Swinging into breezes there up at Noosa. Yeah. Yeah, like a, like a mad dog, I bet. I bet you're on the plane within, like, 20 minutes. Oh, mate, just scoot it along. Yeah. 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 Yeah, your, your low sense of center of gravity, mate, combined with the um, the sheer the sheer grunt of of your uh, human width would have been like just like I don't know. Yeah, man. like like four to one diff gears on a on a nine inch Holden, mate. You know, like it's a uh, yeah it's, nine inch four diff. I mean to say for those people that are just like, what's he talking about? My, um, my physique just screams heck yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, on that too, I got to, I got to apologise too. Uh, I got pulled up by Josh Rad, Radliff the other day saying, "J Dog, J Dog." He goes, oh, "I heard you tell that story about when I come to your front door, and uh, you know you didn't tell everyone that, you know you made out that you weren't short." So, yeah, look, guys, don't be expecting a six foot four Adonis. Just be expecting a five six foot two. Yeah, six foot two one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now is not the time to be completely honest, Holtz, okay? You know? Yeah.
Yeah. Truth yeah. bombs. Just I mean, what, what's, you know, you got to ask yourself, what, what does it look like for the people, you know, that, that, that learn the truth? I mean, what difference does it make if they think that you're six foot four volts, you know? What well, difference? I mean, like, you, 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 he, you, sorry? Did he I don't know. I don't know what his problem was. Well, I mean, Josh is a bit different. I mean, not everyone's going to come to your door, you know? Like, let's talk yeah. about little Tommy over in Esperance in Western Australia there who's listening to this six foot four juggernaut that's covered in, like, a man pelt. He'd be thinking that this guy is like just everything, man. And, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna Let's disillusion little Johnny and telling people that you're six foot two. Good one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Listen mm. here, little Tommy and Esperance. It, yep. uh, that that's the only gag in town, mate. Everything else is real, including my flats fly captures. There's no scent there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no dollars either, right? <laughs> whoa, whoa! Yeah. I thought we weren't going to mention the war on this show again. Yeah, yeah we're now we're, we're going to avoid that. Yeah. We can't, no, nah, we can't shy away from it. We just don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, been done. Been done. It's mate. done. Yeah, everyone's got, talking about it. We've got our census. We know who's on the naughty list and who's on the nice list now, mm. and um, and we're making our own opinions. Yeah, man. So is everyone else. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, uh, there you have it. So let's talk about Greg. Um, let's talk about everything Greg. Hey, man, the fly. Greg the fly is a mad dog. He's a mad dog. I mean, he's he, uh, refreshing, a really refreshing um, uh, attitude towards boating. Uh, refreshing attitude. <laughs> <laughs> You talk about risking your life as being a refreshing attitude towards boating. <laughs> then maybe I'd take a life jacket next time you go out, mate. <laughs> Ready, perb. Yeah. Maybe on your hat. Oh, look. Hat perb. I admire people just sort of, you know, take life by the balls, grip it and rip it, whatever, you know, like, and that, um, you know, it's it's pretty, it's pretty infectious, that sort of energy. Um, I sort of compare it to to um, a young lady we had on a couple of weeks ago, Kelly Jane, um, you know, who was dude, going out. Dude, you can't talk about people grip, gripping and ripping it and then talk about Kelly, you know, like it's... Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, you gotta, you got to think these things through a little bit more. I know it takes a long time for the blood to get all the way to the top of the six foot four, so potentially, mm-hmm. you know, that you know, you got an excuse there. People need to understand. Yeah. But at the same time, mate, we're just going to pull you up on that. And um, I'm going to ask you to well, rephrase that. I just meant the the infectious enthusiasm, and they just don't see the barriers that hold a lot of people back. You know, they just get in and they do it. You know, yeah. Um, and that is really cool. Something I admire, particularly because I'm quite the opposite. You know, pretty risk averse, and um, you know, talking to to people who have that that ability to move past those barriers, or they don't see them, or they just don't care for them. Um, you know, it's been one of the great pleasures of this podcast for me, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I like listening to those stories too. You know, like some people it comes comes to them quite naturally. I kind of got yeah. to force the issue and then and then um, and then enjoy it, enjoy the, the the sense of conquering after doing that. And it's by no means, you know, driving out to the Montebellos and a clapped out engine at three o'clock in the morning sort of adventure. I would uh, I would advise myself not to do that personally, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I can admire um, those people that do uh, more so the story that they're able to tell instead of being dead. You know, that um, 
That's the bit I admire. Over to you, Volts. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, <laughs> the rebuilt jet boat out of a jet ski, I, I can't think of a better retasking for two jet skis. I mean, I'll give him triple points there. One set of points for, for making a you know, pretty rad bloody uh, skiff and um, one set of points each for, for taking two more jet skis off the water. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> <laughs> oh, my nemesis lately. Yeah. If, if if everyone could take two jet skis off the water to build a jet boat, the world would be a better place, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, mate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not like you're, leave, you're leaving those people with nothing to do. They're just going to gravitate towards 10-speed bikes to ride on the road, you know? <laughs> you know and what I mean? Putt, like it's, and putt-putt. Yeah. yeah, it's not like, you know, you're going to be like, someone's going to be like, mate, give me your jet skis. I've got to repurpose them. What am I going to do? So they're going to gravitate towards within a week. It's like mm-hmm. taking a fish and putting it in your live well and transporting it to another part of the dam. Now, for starters, they're gonna, you're going to let them go, but they're going to find a snag to get, you know, used to and move towards... These guys are going to get rid of their jet skis and they're going to go straight to like Melbourne Star or, or whatever, you know, and, you know, yeah. the, 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 the latest fashion in Lycra, you know, like, mm. or Pilates or something like that. I don't know. But whatever involves Lycra and, and, um, and community participation, you know, or maybe lattes <laughs> at, at the bakery at six o'clock in the morning, you know, clogging everything up, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to get in the mind of those guys, you know, but they'll find something. Don't feel bad about it. So if everyone just... Grabs a couple of jet skis, repurposes them. Let's just make this world a better place. That's all we can hope for. Yeah. 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 Let's hold hands and sing a song about it now. We are the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That song was for the children, but if we can make a version and we get jet skis out and just make it for the fishermen, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, well, see this, didn't see this coming, mate. This uh, no, this twist, this twist on the outro. Like you a, didn't see it coming, hey? Yeah, mate. Like a um, uh, a camo condom. Yeah. Oh. Didn't see it coming. Yeah. But anyway, oh God, I, I'm I'm sure a few people could work that analogy out. Uh, I'm not going to point it out to anyone. Um, sure. I'm not going to spell that one out. It's very clever though, Volts. Well played, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. And credit yeah. where credit's due. I always believe in that. <laughs> So alpha. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I would never ever say that joke and uh, not give you the credit. That's for sure. <laughs> I think you could do with some work, man. I think I think you got the steak right there, but just need to uh, now. It's time to make it sizzle, you know. And you could probably yeah, use that in a more public public arena. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've got a mate who's a real uh, joke stealer. Um, we both know him. Yeah, give us yeah. a clue. Starts with Andy. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't the joke, was it? That was uh, that was the information. I found the information funny because I get uh, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going. Yeah, and his surname's not Bolch. It's another Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Nah. Yeah. This guy, this guy is um, far more aggressive than the most aggressive head. You know. Yeah, it's stealing jokes. He's he's one of the best. You know. Yeah. yeah. Sitting around, you'll tell a you'll tell a joke. And then you know the next next sort of uh, next sort of uh, you know dinner or, or fishing trip or, or you know campfire or whatever. There he is telling your joke again. The worst thing is he forgets that he got it off you. And he <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the marshmallow again, are we? 
the marshmallow, the cheesels, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. What a champion. Yeah. True Shake. champion. Yeah. Joke thief. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, it's uh, I, I'm um, I'm really looking forward to these holidays completely mm-hmm. fucking off and going and um, yeah. getting out in the water. Um, right now, as I'm talking to you, I am scanning Google Earth. I seem to be spending more and more time on it, um, and it's consuming a lot of my day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But uh, my mind boggles at this time of year of the options that are around, that's for sure. In yeah. previous years, I've been so distracted by tuna at this time of year. And um, as we were talking about in that podcast, it's uh, of having a smaller boat and having to look for other options. I, I do cherish any time I do get out to fish for tuna, but... Man, I'll tell you what, in recent years, I've really realized what we've overlooked at this time of year, that's for sure, which I'm sure a lot of people have always known, but for fly fishing in southeast Queensland, it's, it's easy to get blinded by tuna, eh? They're great fish, though, that's for sure. Yes, I'll tell you what you don't miss, the bloody, uh, the uh, the fuel bill or the, um, you know, or the uh, engine maintenance, bloody hell. Yeah, the hours of, yeah, leaving an engine running, yeah, yeah, mm. you know, picking up what you're putting down there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, um, I mean, I don't really, I don't really um, look at that as a calculable thing for time on the water. Really, I mean, it is, but I don't, Process. I don't really look at it and go, ah, oh, you know, that one fish was worth twenty liters and all that sort of stuff. You know, nah, especially yeah, not since I uh, fish off other people's boats for tuna now. You know, yeah, no, that's true, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, man. We've all yeah. been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. But yeah, man, we should, you know what, man, I think it'd be really good after listening to tonight's podcast to do, a. Um, I've never considered it before, but it, for a lot of people, I wouldn't call it a rite of passage, but it's been an enjoyable part of building a purpose-built boat for fly fishing because they're not often made. Uh, I mean, I know they're getting made now, but, you know, like what, what Greg said in getting an old hull that's sitting in someone's backyard that they don't even want to use um, and being able to modify that, it's it's not hard. It's really not hard at all, and it's um, uh, I shouldn't say it's not hard. It's just, it's not hard. It's very time-consuming. It, it it's hard in some ways. It's just not, it's not intellectually hard. Let's put it that way. You know, it's um, you could be as challenging on yourself like fly tying. You could make it as neat as you want, or you could make it just a fish. Same with the boat. You could make it as neat as a pin as you want. Spend as much time, or you could just yeah. make it purposely built so you can don't have anything to catch your fly line on and um, yeah. and get you on the water. And it could look, it could look rough as guts. It could, you know, you could name your boat the Andy Bolch, you know, or something like that, and um, <laughs> and have the most aggressive looking boat going. You know? A very aggressive bow on it. Yeah. A very aggressive bow. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, so that you know, I mean, like it would be, it would be, it might be a good show to talk about that. You know, there's um, a couple of people I can think of off the top of my head, which I won't name in case it puts them on the spot if they can't make it, that we could get on to talk about this. I think mm-hmm. it'd make a make an interesting show. What do you think? Yeah, I'd like to do that. Why don't you, the listener, tell us if you've got this far that you'd like to hear a um a boat a boat building show, so to speak, about materials, how to do it, you know, and uh, approaches and and things like that, or things to consider, perhaps maybe not even just about the fiberglass, but about you know, I don't know, shapes, principles, hydrogen, oh, yeah, hydrodynamics, powering, <laughs> trim. All these sort of things, propellers, yeah. propellers. Now that'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get some people on to talk about yeah pitches and things like that. That um, yeah, I reckon it'd be pretty interesting. 
Yeah, Marine I'm, Electronics would be another one. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's um, that's not that. That's pretty simple, really. It's uh, an easy choice these days, isn't it? What's that? You know, <clears throat> it's an easy choice these days when it comes to sounders and stuff. But oh, well, I thought you meant wiring the boat up in, in the principles in the the like uh, a twelve volt system, you know, or something like that. But yeah. um, yeah, that as well. But um, yeah, as far as electronic devices, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Right. Spoiled for choice. Mm-hmm. Spoiled mm-hmm. for choice, mate. Yep. Well, all right. Do is there anything else you'd like to say? Any more um, crass uh, y- euphemisms about you know um, condoms that have camouflage or anything like that? No. Yep. No double entendres to add to the outro. No way. No way. Okay. Cool. I'll just have ask. You? Have you got no? any, got any bad jokes? Oh man, I thought this was like a, a, a friendly place that we could come here with our bad jokes and say them without fear of persecution. That's the outro, yeah. We can do what we like in the outro. No, one no one's fucking listening, man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The lotto numbers for this week are 7, <laughs> 20. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me, man. What were you doing through 9-11? Uh, I, I was mean, actually doing... You do look Armenian, you know. <laughs> you you were about to actually tell me what you were doing, weren't you? I didn't you had, you've got a you've got an alibi. Why would you have an alibi? I don't know. I don't know. That seems like yeah. an admission of guilt to me, right there. And it's surprising. I did not expect that reaction at all. <laughs> wow. It's a little it bit sounds like it's an inside job. Yeah. What's that, mate? It was a little bit too prepared, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I was mowing the lawn on uh, 9-11, and uh, yeah, heaps of people saw me. You just asked my neighbour, who doesn't happen to be there anymore. Just disappeared <laughs> mysteriously. <laughs> but I hope my flowers growing nicely. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard of Charlie Carp, right? <laughs> this is Charlie Neighbour. <laughs> Hello, neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All, All right. right. Well, let's wrap this puppy up, hey? All right. Stay connected. Catch you later. Yeah, and uh, if you ride a jet ski, Australia, get fucked. <laughs> See you, mate. See you, mate. I'm like a record player. I keep going round with the needle in my arm, making someone else's sound. And lately I've been dreaming of blue and empty skies, but nothing like that ever crosses red and weary eyes. I've been traveling with bottles, working close to